Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. So I'm super excited to be here with you guys. So a lot of you guys know my children. I've already shared a little bit about them the last time. Six, eight, six, and three. Um, my girls, I love them to death, right? Nail polish, tutus, they get dressed up. They know how to dance and they know how to do all the cutesy stuff that girls do. My girls also love mud and dirt, right? I already shared that with you guys. They just love to get their nails dirty. They love to catch lizards. They love to do all that kind of stuff. Um, I think part of it is indoctrination because since Olivia was in my womb, I've always wanted a farm and I always declared that with them. I was like, guys, we're going to get a farm. Like one day we are going to have chickens and goats, right? And I just like spoke that over their lives constantly. Well, a couple of years back, we were able to do that. We rented a farm, two acres. Some of you guys graced the property. We had a trampoline. Somebody from our church broke our trampoline. Um, but it was awesome, and we had people over all the time. More people fit in our backyard than our entire house, um, but I loved it. And so the first thing that I wanted to do was buy chickens. And... Um, there, I didn't know they were that dirty, um, but they gave us beautiful eggs, green eggs, pink eggs. It was like Easter every single day. We'd have to go and hunt because we were chicken novices, and we didn't know, like, put them in the coop to lay eggs so you don't have to hunt for them. They, like, roamed two acres, and we're trying to find eggs every day straight up. Took us, like, a month to find eggs, and there were, like, 20 in, like, this bush that we had to find. But... Anyway, so there was a summer night, right? Our kids go to bed at 7 o'clock every single night. And this summer, we would use those times as just kind of quality date night time, right? We would watch a movie. We would just cuddle. We would hang out. And um, the sun was starting to set. You know that beautiful time of dusk? It was starting to set. And normally at that time, we would go and we would put our chickens away. But I was too comfortable. I was like, Matt, Matt started to like st sit up from the couch. And I was like, no, 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 sit back down. This is a great movie. We're super comfortable. Let's just relax. And it didn't take him much convincing. He was like, all right, cool. Sat back down on the couch. And we finished the movie. 15 minutes later, guys, no joke. 15 minutes later, chaos erupts in our backyard. And I hear this noise that I've never heard before and the squawking of chickens. They were going crazy. So we jump up off the couch. We book it out the front door and feathers are literally like flying in the air. They're everywhere. And we see one of our birds, they're on the fence and she's freaked out. She's squawking and two of our birds were no longer with us. Millie and Melody, we lost them. And I know a lot of us are familiar with that scripture, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Well, that night it was the little foxes that killed my chickens, snatched in, grabbed them. But that night I also learned it was those little excuses that cost me a lot. I was super comfortable that night, guys. Like, I was in a blanket, I was on the couch, I was watching a movie, I loved it. And I could have very easily have just made the decision to get up to go do what I needed to do. But instead, I was like, we'll do it in a little bit. Let's sit back down. Let's finish. And I sensed this morning that there's a lot of excuses that all of us have going on in our lives that are costing us something. And they may not be costing us literal chickens, but they are costing us relationships. They are costing us something at our job. They're costing us something in our ministry. They're costing us something in our marriage. They're costing us something in our singleness. Our excuses are impacting our lives more than I think we give credit for. And so we're going to lean into that this morning. Amen. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, I just invite you into this place. I invite you into this space, God, that you would come. 
and that with your Holy Spirit, just convict us and strengthen us and show us the areas, God, that you want to sharpen, that you want to that you want to highlight. Um, would you come? Will you move? Will you have your way? Every word that comes out of my mouth, may it be for your glory, for your good, for your namesake, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's fast forward to a couple of months ago. I'm getting ready um, just for the nighttime, right? I'm getting ready to wind down. I'm in my bathroom washing my face, just kind of winding down for the evening. And I hear Jesus ask me an earth-shattering question. And in that moment, it took me off guard. Like, that's how intense the question came at me. And the question was, are you being a good steward of your life? And I knew in that moment, he wasn't asking me, like, are you a good steward of of the talents I've given you? Are you a good steward of the gifts that I've given you? I knew that wasn't the tone of the question. I knew that included it. But I knew that wasn't all of it. And when the Lord asked me, are you a good steward of your life, I sensed Jesus was saying, are you a great spouse? Are you being a good steward of the spouse I've given you? Are you a good steward of the children that I've given you? Are you a good steward of your finances? Are you a good steward of the home that I've blessed you with? Are you a good steward of your time? Are you a good steward of, and he just started listing off all of these things for me. He was asking me, are you a good steward of the life that I've blessed you with? Um, and I had to sit there and I had to ponder it and I had to, I had to chew on that, that answer and I had to answer honestly. I was like, gosh, I don't, I don't think so. Obviously there's a lot of areas that I can improve on. And again, I sense that that's a question the Lord is wanting to challenge us with this morning. And I feel like this message is going to challenge us in a lot of different ways. Um, but I feel like this morning the Lord is asking you the same question. Are you a good steward of your life? Are you a good steward of the things that God has entrusted to you? That's really what stewardship is. The things that God has lent you and loaned you, are you a good steward of that? And he's talking about our relationships, and he's talking about all of the physical things that come into play. Are you a good steward of your life? Um, so we're going to jump in. Um, we're going to jump into the book of, of, oh, actually, I forgot one thing. Um, I wanted to Google excuses. Like, what are excuses? Like, what is that? And so I Google excuses and up pops Forbes' list of excuses. Um, Forbes has a list. You know that that is a big deal when Forbes comes up with something, right, um, on our excuses. And so can we go to that slide for me really quickly, please? These are Forbes' top 17 reasons as to why we don't deliver. Forbes' top 17 reasons is why we don't deliver. Anybody ever use these excuses? You don't need to raise your hand on every single one. I know all of us will have said these things at one time or another. Number one, you never told me you needed that. Number two, I didn't understand. Number three, you should have asked so-and-so. Number four, I forgot. You never do the stuff I ask you to do either. I don't know how to do it. So-and-so told me I didn't have to do it. You could have done that yourself. Let's go to the next one. (laughs) Anybody? You guys doing all right so far? Right? You're being too hard on me. I didn't think it was important. I thought of something else instead. Nobody else has to do that. That's not my job. There was an emergency. I promise I'll do it today. I did do it. You must have deleted my email. Honestly, though, I've searched my emails and, like, I can't find stuff. That's just a true story. 
I didn't have time. Those are Forbes' top 17 reasons as to why we give our excuses. And so you can see in a society that we have, it's definitely a problem. It's definitely prolific. Let me explain, guys. I feel like with our excuses, they can be really sneaky in our lives. Excuses can sneak up on us. I don't think we realize how often and how many times we use them in our lives to excuse us out of certain things. And a lot of times they come in handy and they can be super fun at first. A lot of times it's like, oh, we, we use them and we enjoy them because they get us out of responsibilities. But I think we have many moments in our lives where we stop and we take survey. And we top, stop and we look at our life and we just kind of, you know, look at our marriage or we look at our, our friends, we look at our singleness, we look at our kids, we look at our job, we look at our home. I know we have a lot of those reflecting moments and a lot of times we see and there's a discontent that arises in our hearts. We see and there's a, oh, it's not exactly what I thought it would be at this season in my life. And a lot of times in those moments we want to blame the external, we want to turn around and we want to be like, well, if so-and-so would have done, if so-and-so would have loved, if so-and-so would have forgived, if so-and-so would have done their job, I would have gotten an A. I would have progressed on my job. We tend to take the discontentment that we're feeling in our lives and push the blame externally when I think we need to shine the light internally. And I feel like when we shine the light on our internal, we can see that what we end up with in the season of life that we're in right now has a lot to do with the excuses that we've given throughout our lives. Because the excuses, again, are fun at first, right? We're enjoying them, we're loving them, they're getting us out of responsibilities, but all of a sudden it's starting to shape and mold the life that we've created today, and now we're not satisfied but it's taking the ownership to realize, gosh, a lot of what I've done is excused myself out of being stretched. I've excused myself out of being, uh, out of sacrificing my time. I've excused myself out of so many opportunities. And a lot of where we end up is because of what we've done and what we haven't done. Now, I'm not saying that things haven't happened to us in our life. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I know. I know. Uh, many have been abused, many have been hurt, many have been betrayed, cheated, lied. Like I, I know that. What I'm saying is it, it's a both and. And what I'm also saying is we're going we're gonna to go a little bit into our brains a little bit. A lot of our excuses are birthed somewhere. And I want to take us on a journey of where our excuses are birthed from. You see this? I talked to a psychologist this morning after service, and she was like, I didn't like the picture, but I like what you said. Because she was like, that is very, <laughs> very general. <laughs> but this is just for the sake of clarity, all right? We're going to zone in on the yellow. That's our emotional brain, our limbic system. Pastor Lauren, there you go. That's for you, girl. She's all about limbics. We're going to zone in on our limbic system. What you have in your limbic system is something called the amygdala. You have two of them, amygdalae. Your amygdala, ladies and gentlemen, does a few things. One of the things that it does is it is your pleasure center. It is your pain and your fear center. And it's also the hub where every memory is filtered, sorted, and some are stored there. Okay? The memories that are stored in your limbic system are the memories that have the biggest emotional impact. 
Those are the memories that are stored right in that limbic system are the memories that uh, impacted you emotionally. It could be a great emotion that impacted you, a negative emotion that impacted you. The thing that's also formed here is your, are your excuses. Your excuses are formed here. So what I want you to see is that your filter for your excuses is either a filter of fear. I, I'm going to say no because I'm terrified. Your filter can be a filter of pain. Where it's happened before, you were let down, you experienced pain, so your excuse is filtered through pain, so you're going to come up with one. And your filter can also be pleasure or a distorted pleasure, where you're excusing something because you want to continue in a distorted pleasure or because you want to don't want to experience. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Pleasure, pain, and fear are all filtered in your limbic system, and excuses are birthed from that place. I love teaching the Freedom Small Group that we have here. And if you haven't done it, you need to do it. It is so amazing. But one of the imageries we give is if you're in a physical car accident, the car accident isn't your fault, but the care becomes your responsibility. Going to the doctor, checking your neck, checking your back, making sure things are okay. And it's the same thing, ladies and gentlemen, with our spiritual health, our mental, our emotional health. Accidents happen to us. Things happen to us intentionally from other people but we are still responsible for the health and the care of our well-being. And so in order to help us get rid of our excuses, we have to allow Jesus into our brokenness. We have to allow Jesus into that area of fear, that area of pain, that area of distorted pleasure, so that he can come in and fix our filters and fix our viewpoints, and our excuses will slowly start to decrease. Uh, I want to journey with you guys this morning through the book of Esther. I love this book. If you haven't read, read it, you need to go back and read it. It's a story of King Xerxes. He banishes Queen Vashti. Why? Because she didn't want to be paraded around for her beauty. So he goes on a massive manhunt to find a queen, and Esther gets appointed. Through the time of her queenship, a plot is hatched to annihilate the Jewish people. And she's called to the scene, and she knows ultimately her life is on the line. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But she knows if she goes before the king, death can be her, her consequence for doing so. But I love how Queen Esther steps over all of her excuses and into her calling. And I'm excited to challenge you this morning to step over your excuses and into your calling. And believe me when I say, like, I live a life of like, ooh, I want to excuse all the time. Like, I can get really good at it. But I remember waking up one morning and feeling like, God, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like just like I've said no to so many things. I've excused myself from so many things, and I've, I've hindered my own personal growth. And I want to challenge you this morning. Let's not hinder our growth anymore. Let's just continue to say yes to Jesus and yes to our convictions and see what he does through our lives. Amen? All right. So don't get quiet on me. Stay with me. It's okay. It's all right. Number one, I think what we can learn from Queen Esther is don't let your comfort excuse your conviction. Don't let your comfort excuse your conviction. Let's read together Esther chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I have it on the screen for you. You can pull it up on your phone. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan, the citadel, from great to small, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. And here's where I want us to lean in a little bit, all right? I just want you to hear the words that, that are being described here in um, verse 6. There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with 
cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars. And the couches were of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble. Anybody have a house like that? If you do, I'll come over for dinner. And they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other with royal wine in abundance according to the generosity of the king. Like, you look at that lavish lifestyle that Esther was in. Does that not scream comfort? Does that not just scream, oh my gosh, spoiled? (laughs) I want us to lean in here because Esther was being called to go before the king, but I'm sure this ran through her mind what it would cost her to say yes to her conviction would be this comfort. Knowing where she came from. And now all of a sudden she has servants, she has maids, she's being bathed, she's getting massages and facials and haircuts and manis and petties. And then to top it all off, the girl is eating 24-7. Like, that's a win by itself, is eating 24-7. And this girl has it all. This woman is literally in the lap of luxury, and she has to weigh that option. Gosh, my comfort or my conviction. And I'm, I'm stirring you, I'm stirring this in you this morning because we don't even have comfort like that, but we're stopped in our tracks with our excuses. Let's keep it real, guys. A blanket was enough for me, Okay. <laughs> A blanket was comfortable enough for me to be like, nah, our chickens will be fine. Like, we can't dismiss the reality of our comfort. And I'm not just speaking physical comfort. Some of us are just comfortable in life just not moving. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want to grow. Saying yes, we know it'll, ooh, I'm going to get uncomfortable. Saying yes to the calling of God on your life. Saying yes to loving first. Saying yes to forgiving first. This is what our God has called us to, to live a life of conviction and truth over our comforts. So I'm challenging you to allow Jesus to look at those areas where we have fallen comfortable. Where have you fallen comfortable? And where is God wanting to stir that up in you again? Number two. Don't let your past excuse your future. Don't let your past excuse your future. Let's read Esther chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Don't let your past excuse your future. This had to have ran through Queen Esther's mind. I can picture the enemy shoving that in her face, like, whoa, 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 Esther. Number one, you're a woman. In that part of the world, in that time, that was not equal to man. She was a Jew, and let's remember, the Jewish people a few years earlier were brought over as captives to the Persian kingdom. They were no longer captives, but you can sense there'd be hostility. 
They're in a foreign country in the Persian Empire, brought over as captives. So now her nationality is going to be declared. I'm a woman. I'm a Jew. And then to top it all off, she's an orphan. No lineage. No family history. Brought up by a cousin. In that moment, that has got to be flashing through her mind. Like, gosh, who am I to go before a king? And I'm challenging you this morning not to let your past identify your future and not to let your past hold up your future. Listen, we cannot just keep pointing to our past to disqualify us from moving forward. And I, I, I just sense this morning, like we can't, we can't just keep blaming things. And again, I know stuff has been done. I'm very sensitive to that. I know that. I know stuff has been done. But that's where we have to allow Jesus to come in in that healing. Allow Jesus to come in and restore. Allow Jesus to come in and mend up. Because there's something in front of you that God wants to do. There's something in front of you that God has for you. A conviction, a person, somebody that needs to see Jesus through your life. And I don't want us hindering ourselves because of our past. Amen? Number three, don't excuse your season of preparation for a vacation. Ooh, come on. Anybody like vacations? I love them. Well, yeah, I do love them. I like camping, but that's kind of hard now that we have three kids. get to cook for everybody, so it's not really a vacation. Right? Don't excuse your season of preparation for a vacation. See, Queen Esther was in the, the palace for about three to four years, theologians say. Three to four years. And so you can imagine she's been in that for three to four years. She, she's immersed in the Persian culture, right, because that's the kingdom that she's living in. The morals, the standards, those are very different from her Jewish heritage and the God that she serves. Um, the pagan worship that's starting to take place there. And not only that, but in those three to four years, there wasn't really anything kind of rearing its ugly head. There were no fires to put out. There was no floods that she had to kind of handle relationally or anything like that. It was a pretty chill season. And she could have very easily have taken that season of preparation and just kind of still communing with Jesus worshiping the Lord, loving the Lord. She could have taken that season of preparation and turned it into a vacation. And she could have dabbled and compromised in the culture that she was surrounded in. And the same for us this morning. There may not be anything pressing on every side right now. We know those seasons exist. They're real and they come. But you may be in a season where it's like, man, things are pretty good right now. Aren't those good seasons? Like, relationships are thriving, uh, favor at your job, like the wind to your back. Those are incredible seasons. But I'm challenging you in those moments, don't kick up your feet and like, ah, oh, let's relax a little bit. Like, there's nothing I got to fight for. There's nothing on the line. And we can easily take those seasons, kick, kick up our feet, but then we eventually find ourselves slowly compromising in those seasons. Our time with Jesus starts to slip. Our dependency on the Holy Spirit starts to slip. And we find ourselves compromising with the culture that we're surrounded by and using that season that God has us in preparation for a vacation. And I'm not saying, guys, we can't go out, have fun, laugh, and, you know, enjoy, enjoy life. Like, of course, there's, there is a, a, that's included in that season in the life that we're, we're living in. 
But what I'm saying is, at the end of that season for Esther, that three to four years, man, annihilation for an entire nation was at her door. And if she had taken that season for preparation and turned it into a vacation, she would have been ill-equipped to say yes in the midst of that conviction to lay her life down. And so the same is for us this morning. Like, if we're using that season and we're, we're starting to compromise a little bit, we're starting to slip on these areas in our walk with Jesus, our love for him, our dependency upon him, if we start to let those things slip, I don't know what season is coming. But I do know the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Like, he doesn't take a break. And it may not be you that's going to encounter that battle, but it may be somebody you love. And they're going to need you to be like, man, I was ready. I'm ready. Like, let's fight. Let's go at this together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Ladies and gentlemen, like, this life is beautiful, and the things that are in it are wonderful, and therefore our delight. But we can't mistake that we are spiritual beings, and we're involved in a spiritual warfare. Like, that stuff is real. And the Lord has called us to be alert. He has called us to be sober. And I want to be obedient to what Jesus is calling us to do. I want to read Esther chapter 4, verse 10 and 12. Then Esther spoke to Hathak, let's just call him that, and gave him a command from Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces, so this is Esther talking to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law. Put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go to the king these 30 days. So she's like, it's been 30 days. He hasn't called to see me not one time, and now you want me to go knock on the king's door, hope he extends the golden scepter, and say, hey, don't kill the Jewish people. This is the one time that we see Esther struggle. Oh, man, my life's on the line. Comfort gone. Past exposed. Like, my life is on the line at this point. And I just want to in encourage you today. You see, que when Queen Esther went up to that palace door, and when she was getting ready to go into the king, the King Xerxes wasn't the one that was calling her. But the king of kings was the one that was summoning her. And he made a provision, and he made a way. When she didn't know that that was going to be possible. And I'm telling you today, your life may not be on the line. But goodness, life and intimacy and love with the Holy Spirit and living a life of fullness with Jesus is. And this morning, I know the king of kings is summoning you. I know he's calling you to step out of your excuses, to allow healing to those broken areas of pain, hurt, fear, distorted pleasure. Like God wants to bring healing to those areas to halt our excuses that we're using to say no, 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 in every area of our life. God has called us to be marked by sacrifice, not marked by our excuses. Like God doesn't want his people marked by excuses. He wants us marked by our love for one another and our go in the extra mile. 
so how do you do that? Like, what does that look like? Because guess what? Like, I don't want to, like, hey, let's do this again. Another thing I got to try. Try not to excuse. Try not to, gosh, that gets exhausting, right, if we're just real and honest with one another. But I want to show you this clip. Is it ready? Is it ready? Are you sure? Okay. Some of you guys might have seen this on Instagram because my husband loves Instagram. Um, we went golfing for his 40th birthday. Round of applause to me, guys. I did pretty good. It's true. It's true. Um, no, it really is true. I've never, <laughs> I've never golfed in my life. Like, the golfing I've done is mini golf, and I beat Pastor Chris every time, if he's here. And the other golfing I've done is a driving range where I swing the club, and somebody has to yell four because the club left my hands. Not a ball, the club, okay? And so I was like, all right, I'll lay down my life for you. We'll go golfing together. And we did, and it was frustrating and fun all at once, and now I want to be a golfer, a pro golfer. But I, I want to show you this clip. That was a swing and a miss. Swing, better, better. Keep that foot planted. Did it again. Breaking bad. I almost threw the clap. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn me into a sermon. <laughs> I picked up my foot again. Yeah, don't do it. You gotta be you gotta be planted in the house of the Lord. Hey, that looked great. Do you see that Come pose? On. See what happens do you when see you're that planted? Pose? <laughs> hey. I posed like that because I, like, connected. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that just happened. Now, listen. <laughs> Yay. I did it. <laughs> listen, our relationship with Jesus is a lot like that. When it comes to getting over our excuses, I tried in all my strength to whack the heck out of that ball. And I could not do it. I tried with everything I was to like step right, use my strength, hit that thing, and I couldn't connect. I would miss, it would go to the left, it would go to the right, it was the most frustrating thing in the world. But the minute I just listened to my husband <laughs> who golfs, the minute I just settled into the golf swing, like I didn't try just to whack it with all my strength. I was like, okay, I'll do what golfers do. And I settled into the swing and how it was supposed to be done. I'll tell you what, that thing flew. You can't see it there, but that thing flew. And that's how it is in our walk with Jesus. When you're trying in your own strength, guys, good luck. When you're trying to get over your excuses in your own strength, good night. It's not going to happen. You'll endure it for a season, but you're going to fall right back into your patterns of excuses. But the minute you align with the Holy Spirit, the minute you align with what he wants, his convictions, his leading, you allow him to heal your brokenness and your pain. You allow him to heal your distorted pleasure. The minute you invite Jesus into that moment, there's a connection and an ease that comes. And that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. 
but my goodness, a new pattern and a new lifestyle starts to be developed. I already said we will be marked by our excuses. Will we be marked by our excuses or marked by our sacrifice? Romans 12:1 is one of our most favorite, favorite passages. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Listen, you will get over ex your excuses when you realize who got over theirs. Like Jesus, he could have used every one of them in the book. He knew exactly what he was coming to endure. He knew the pain he was going to endure. He knew the whips that he was going to get. He knew the beatings. He knew the crown of thorns. He knew the cross. He knew the, the laughter and the mockery. He knew the rejection. And he stepped out of heaven onto this earth because of his love for you because of his love for you. And as Jesus was able to step out of heaven and perform what he did, I know in view of that, I can step over my excuses and I can walk fully towards the convictions that you have called me to live because of that. Amen.